Good morning. How are you doing today? Good, good, good. You know, tell you, last night I dreamt all night about mufflers. I woke up this morning exhausted. Bob Hill told me that one. And <laughs> I'm running on fumes. <laughs> that was good. That's quick. That's good. All right. You ready to get into the Word of God? Let's get into the Word of God. Proverbs 29, verse 23. And then Proverbs 16, you can turn there too. Um, what I want to do today is um, do a little preventative medicine. How many of you ever go for a uh, checkup, you know, yearly for a checkup and to the doctor and they run tests on you? And uh, why do they do that? They do that so that if there is something going on with you, they can catch it early. And the earlier they catch something... Uh, the easier it is to to treat it. Is that correct? And so a lot of times in pastoring, what I try to do is do some preventative uh, teaching, preaching, medicine. And, and, and the Word of God is like medicine. The Bible says that. And so uh, that's what we're going to be doing today. Just doing like maybe an annual checkup here. Talking about pride and humility. Pride and humility. Um, you know, uh, there are some diseases that people have, and you know they can have them a long time, and and they don't even know they have it. Is that right? Until the doctor, you know, feels something or whatever, and then they run a, a X ray, and oh my gosh, that thing's been there for for months, growing. You know, and uh, you know, pride is is one is one thing that that you can have it, and you don't know you've got it. Is that right? A lot, a lot of other people could see you have it, but it's one of those things you can have and you don't know you have it. And uh, I want to talk about pride and humility today, both of them. In Proverbs 29, verse 23, it says, A man's, and this is a woman's as well, a person's pride will bring them where? Will bring them low. But the humble in spirit will retain honor. Remember this, pride will always bring you low and humility will always take you higher or up. Notice in Proverbs sixteen eighteen. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. What is spoil? It's, it's treasure. It would be better to be humble with the lowly than to have a lot of treasure with the proud. Um. The Bible says, and we won't turn to this scripture, but there's a verse that says there's six things that the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination to him. And the first thing on that list that what God hates is a proud look. How many, how many remembers ever reading that? A proud look. God doesn't like, like that. Um, you know, there's one of two positions that you can live life from. You can live from a position of pride or you can live from a position of humility. And I have found that you really can't be in pride and humility at the same time. Pride and humility are exact opposites of each other. And you can't be prideful and humble at the same time. You know that old funny saying, people says I'm, they'll say, well, I'm humble and proud of it, you know. Uh, 
but really when you understand what pride is and you understand what humility is, you really can't be both at the same time. Um, let me just read some things here from my notes about pride, what, what it is. It's being arrogant or conceited, being self-centered, talking about yourself all the time. Have you ever sat down to talk with somebody and all they do is talk about themselves? They never ask you how you're doing or what's going on in your life. They're always talking about themselves. You know, the devil, he had an eye problem, didn't he? And I don't mean the, the eye, what you see out of. He had the eye. Remember, he was always talking about himself. I will, I will ascend into heaven. I will be like the most high. I, 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 I. And it's called the eye disease. And you know that it was pride that brought the devil down, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Having an excessively high view of yourself. Um, a holier than thou attitude. Uh, smarter than thou attitude. Have you ever met somebody that they had it all figured out? They just, they were just, they had it, they had it all figured out. They, you know, the Bible says that we have to be careful about knowledge. You know, it's good to have an education. It's good to have knowledge. But the Bible says that there's something about having education. It's very good to have. We need to get the best education we can. But you need to understand something about it. The Bible says that knowledge puffs up. And that puffs up means... I'll say it this way where everybody can understand it. Knowledge, an excessive amount of knowledge, if you're not humble with it, the knowledge itself can make you prideful. I've run into some professors and I'm all for education. I've got a good education. I'm all for it. Go to college if you can. Get the best education you can. But just be careful. I, I met professors and things that they're so puffed up. You know what I mean by that? It just... Is prideful. He can't ever tell them anything. They 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 know everything. Uh, one of the chief characteristics of pride is being unteachable. You can't be taught anything because you know everything already. Not teachable or trainable. A know-it-all attitude. Here's one. You can't be corrected without getting your feathers ruffled. Did you hear me? You can't be corrected without getting your feathers ruffled. That is a trademark of pride. Somebody tells you the littlest thing. I'm talking like your superior now, your supervisor, your boss. I'm not talking about somebody that's just being a jerk now. I'm talking about your boss. Says, you know, I don't want it done this way. I want it done that way. You, you need to do it this way. Your response should be, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. Not, yes or no. Is that right? Here's one. A trademark of pride. You cannot admit that you're wrong. Here's another one. You have trouble asking others for help. You ever seen a man driving down the road and he can't find where he's going and his wife says, why don't you pull over and ask for directions? And, and the fellow just won't do it. What is that a trademark of? Here's one. Refusing to change. Or you don't think you need to change. Now why wouldn't you think you would ever need to change? Because you are just perfect. And one that goes right along with that 
an example that, or a trademark that you are prideful or a person is prideful is if you're always seeing how other people need to change. Yes or no? Being judgmental of others, always knowing what others should be doing. You've always got it figured out for everybody else. And you know, it's interesting as I look into the Bible, and we, these are just some things, some trademarks or characteristics of pride. We could, there's many more, I'm sure. Just some of the major ones that I could think of. You know, as I look into the Bible, so many people in the Bible started out very humble, but yet they ended up in pride. And we'll see that. Now, humility, you know, I just listed a bunch of trademarks of pride. I could list uh, trademarks of humility, but really all you have to do is go back through the ones I said on pride and just, just reverse those. And you have humility. Do you understand that? If somebody is teachable, if somebody's trainable, if somebody is able to look at themselves and say, you know what, you know, I need to make some changes here. I need to adjust this. I need to adjust that. I need to adjust this. You know, somebody that, that sees someone else stumble and they, they, they don't become judgmental of that person, but they say, you know what, I, I, I wonder how I could help that person, you know. And we could go on and on. Humility. Just the exact opposite. The pole opposite of pride. Now I do want to say this. And this is important that you understand this. And you got to hear me out on this before you shut me off. There is a good aspect to pride. No, no, no. What do you mean, Pastor Terry? You just contradicted yourself. No, 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 no. Now listen. And I think it's because we really don't have a, a real good word in the English, English language for what I'm about to say, but I think you'll understand when I say it. Um, you know, it, it's like if, if you're, when you're on, on the job working, you should be able to take pride in your work. Y- yes or no? Or your children, if they accomplish something or whatever, or even if they don't accomplish anything, you should be proud of your children. Is that, is that right? You know, or, or you, know, you know, like this, this sanctuary. I'm just so proud of the way it looks. I mean, does it look pretty? I mean, all the changes we've made? Yes or no? I think so. But you see where the problem is, is when... Or like you're proud of your house, you know, you've, you've renovated your house and you're proud of the way it looks. There's a good aspect of it, but here's where the problem comes in. It's when you say, well, my house is better than, prettier than everybody else's. Now you've gone over the line, haven't you? Or my, my church building is prettier than any, anybody else's. Now you've gone over the line. Or my kids are better, better than everybody else's. Now you've gone over the line, haven't you? over into a, 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 a bad, the, the bad pride. Did you get what I just said? So I don't want you to think that, you know, you know if, if your child does something good and you're proud of it, that there's nothing wrong with that. It's just what's wrong is when you think that your kid is better than everybody else. You understand what I'm saying? You okay? All right. And uh, also, too, you have to watch it on the humility side because... A lot of times, you know, there is a false humility and you can get over there into that ditch and, 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 you can, and really it's not humility, it's just a, a, a poor self-esteem and, 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 and you can develop an inferiority complex. You don't want to do that. There, there's, there's, there's a, 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 just, just realize there's a humility where, where it's not really humility at all. It's, a, it's, a, it's just an inferiority thing. But I'm talking about legitimately being humble and not being prideful here this morning. See, Romans 12, 3, let's look at that. The Apostle Paul, he writes here and he says, the Holy Spirit directing him, of course, to write this. He says this, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to what? Think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt each one the measure of faith. But what is he telling us here? That we shouldn't think 
more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. So what does that imply? It implies that we should think something of ourselves. We just shouldn't what? Think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And actually, you need to know who you are in Christ. And when you get born again, the Holy Spirit puts you in Christ. And and in Christ, we're somebody, aren't we? Yes, we are. But we shouldn't have an attitude of ourselves that, that we're so high and wonderful that, you know, we just shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. I like what my mother said to me. She, she, she said this to me many times. She said to me, she'd look at me and she'd say, listen, now you, you listen to me from the time I was a little kid. She'd say, you are not any better than anybody else, but you're just as good. That's a good thing to say, isn't it? She told me that. She said, you are not better than anybody else. But she said, but you're just as good. Now, what, what is that? That, that that's, that's thinking of myself highly, but what? Not thinking more highly than I ought to. And uh, notice, Jesus, he's our Lord. He's our master. He's our savior. He's our example. Look at Matthew 21, verse 4. We should really look at him as it pertains to humility. Jesus is the most humble person that, that there is. Matthew 21, verse 4, it says, All this was done that it might be fulfilled. Now, this is talking about when he made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, just a few days before he was crucified. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, saying... Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. Now, how did he come? He came lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus didn't come in there riding on a white stallion, did he? What was, why did he come in there riding on a donkey? He was illustrating what? Humility. We need to remember that. Something else Jesus did, that was a very humble thing to do, he washed the disciples' feet, didn't he? Is that a humble thing to do? Yes, it is. You think about that. Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus created everyone, everything, and so the creator there is doing what? Washing his creation's feet. That's humble, isn't it? Look at Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. Philippians 2 verse 5, Jesus being our example. Notice what what the Bible says about Jesus here. Philippians 2 5 says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. And of course, Jesus was God in the flesh. You understand that. So that explains verse 6. But look at verse 7. But made himself of what? No reputation. Jesus was not concerned about his reputation, was he? He wasn't concerned about building a reputation. This explains, at least in part to me, why there were times where he would heal somebody and he would say, see that no one know it. Why would he say such a thing? Now, of course, the word spread, you know. Have you ever told something to somebody and don't say anything to anybody and then the next thing you know, it's blown all over the place. Has that ever happened to you? But yet, you've got to look at, you can't be responsible for people that, 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 that can't keep their mouths quiet, but you can be responsible for what's in your heart. And he made himself of no rep- reputation. He would heal people and he said, don't tell anybody. Why? Because he wasn't concerned about his reputation. Taking the form of a bond servant, one trademark of humility is servanthood, if you're willing to serve. Pride keeps people from serving. I said, pride keeps people from serving. Did you hear me? Pride keeps people from serving. Humble people serve. 
And notice he took the form of a bondservant coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He what? He, what did he do? Verse 8. He what? He humbled himself. Now, as we go on in this message, I'm going to point some things out to you. Either we humble ourselves, and if we don't, there will come a time where God will humble us. You don't want any part of that. It's not fun. It's better to humble yourself. What did Jesus do? He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, now now look at what happens to people who humble themselves. God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Remember this, pride will bring you low, but humility will take you high or up. Is that right? Pride will bring you low, but humility will take you up high. And Jesus humbled himself to the point that God the Father eventually exalted him and sat him where? Right at his own right hand, at the right hand of power, and gave him a name that is above every name. Do you see that? you see that? Real quick, go to Luke 14, verse 7. Jesus is teaching here. This message we're teaching here today, if you do it, it'll bring some of the greatest blessing in your life that you've ever seen. If you'll humble yourself, God will lift you up. He'll exalt you. That's what you want. Look at Luke 14, verse 7. So he told a parable, Jesus told a parable to those who were invited. When he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, give place to this man, and then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. Did you, did you get what he just said there? But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Notice he who humbles himself will be exalted. Look at 1 Peter 5 verse 5. Likewise, you younger people Submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. What is a trademark of humility? Being submissive. Doesn't mean you're weak. Doesn't mean you're... It's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean that you become a doormat for somebody to walk on. The word submit, really, one of, the, one of the things that it means is yield. Yield. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. And that's true. The Bible says that. But, but the Bible also says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And if a husband is really loving his wife as Christ loved the church, I don't see why a woman would have trouble submitting to that. Do you? But if you got some, you know, hot-headed man that's pounding his hand saying, woman, submit to me, I could see why a woman would have trouble submitting to that. But not only should a wife be submissive to her husband, here we see that we should be what? Submissive to each other and yield to one another. You understand? Don't always look for somebody to open the door for you. Why don't you try to open the door for them? 
So now as you all leave today, the wives are going to be opening the doors for their husbands, all right? Well, I wouldn't go that far. I still think a man ought to open the door for the woman, but, but you understand what we're talking about. Be submissive to one another. And look at this. And be clothed with what? Be clothed with what? With, did you know you can wear humility like, like I wear this coat here? We ought to be clothed with it. That's what the Bible says. We should be clothed with humility. When people look at us, all, wherever they look at us, they see humility because we're clothed with it, like, like you put a coat on, clothed with it. Have you ever met somebody that's just clothed with humility? They're just so much fun to be around. Have you ever met somebody that's not clothed with humility? Now, if you're not clothed with humility, because you can't be humble and prideful both, so if you're not clothed with humility, what are you full of? Pride. And you know those people are no fun to be around, are they? Absolutely not. Be clothed with humility. Now watch this. You don't forget this. God, now watch this. God resists the proud. Don't forget this. God does what? He resists the proud. The Bible says that all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Right? And the Bible says that if you're a friend with the world, you're an enemy with God. Is that right? And so if you're prideful, you've put yourself in enmity with God. And what does God do to you if you're prideful? He what? He resists you. But he gives grace. Now you want that. He gives grace to who? To the humble. Therefore, humble. Now watch this. Verse 6. Humble yourselves. Who's, go, who's supposed to humble you? You're supposed to humble yourself. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may what? Exalt you in due time. Did you get that? Now let's go to James chapter 4 and he'll say the same thing basically. The same Holy Spirit writing here. Only this time through James, James 4, 6. says, but he, God, gives more grace. Therefore he says, God, what does God do to the proud? He resists the proud. I don't want God resisting me, do you? I don't want him resisting you. He resists the proud. It literally means to push away. God will push you away. He'll resist you. But he gives what? Grace to the humble. So it, now watch this. If he's resisting, pushing away the proud, what is he doing to the humble? He would be gathering the humble close to himself. Is that right? And then verse 10 says, James 4.10, Humble, humble yourselves. In the sight of the Lord, and he will what? He will lift you up or he will exalt you. You getting that? Now, I have some examples here as I go through this message. Uh, Moses, does anybody remember Moses? The Bible says that he was very humble. He was the most humble man on the face of the earth at the time that he lived. And guess what God did for him? God put him in charge, did he? And actually, when God came and, and that burning bush out there, remember that? And, and Moses, did Moses, was his response, Lord, you got the right person. You got the right person. You chose wisely, Lord. Yes or no? <laughs> he questioned, God, are you sure you got the right man for the job? Put it in my own words. Well, you see some humility there, don't you? And, and God put him at the front, didn't he? And had some very good things to say about Moses. Actually, I studied, studied it out a little bit. Moses was the kind of person, if you study into the Hebrew word there for, actually the King James says he was the meekest man. Meek does not mean weak. Say amen. 
it means humble, humility. This word here, it's used of persons who put themselves after others in importance. Did you get that? This word humble, Moses was the most humble. It's used of persons who put themselves after others in, in importance. In other words, as Moses looked out over the vast numbers of the Israelites, he saw each and every one of them as more important than himself. That's why God chose him to be the leader. Did you get that? Yes or no? Did you get that? See, if we're really walking in Bible humility, we're going to see others as more important than ourselves. We're going to see everybody else as more important than ourselves. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't think that we're important because we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. So we should see ourselves as important, but we should see others as more important. Is that right? It's interesting, King Saul, and we could turn to these scriptures, but for the sake of time. King Saul, it's interesting, Samuel said to him, after Saul had missed it, because he started out in complete humility, King Saul in the Old Testament, started out in complete humility, but then later on he'd sinned and he disobeyed God and he became prideful. And we could look at him, but one thing Samuel the prophet said to Saul, he said, I'll just quote it here. He said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not the head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? When did God anoint Saul to be king or have Samuel anoint him. It's when Saul was little in his own eyes. It's humility. Dear friends, God exalts humility. But he resists pride. Now, as we've been reading along here, what have we learned? Is somebody else supposed to humble us or are we supposed to humble ourselves? We're supposed to humble ourselves. And if we won't humble ourselves, you're going to see God will do it. And I think a lot of times he does it as a last resort. But let's look at, look at uh, some of these things because we don't ever want to get to a place where God has to humble us. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2. If you won't humble yourself, the time will eventually come where God will have to do it. Deuteronomy 8, 2, and you shall remember, now he's talking to the children of Israel here, you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to what? To humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you. Now, would you agree with me that the Israelites didn't always follow the Lord as they should? They certainly didn't. If they would have, he wouldn't have had to humble them, but he did because they wouldn't humble themselves. They're always here. Here's another example of pride when you're always grumbling and complaining. It's a manifestation of pride. Did you hear me? How many of you know when, when they didn't have anything to eat or drink and God caused water to come out of the rock and he caused manna to fall there? They should have been thankful. Is that right? But they'd been grumbling because the same thing was on the menu all the time. You know, then he gave them some quail, but, they, but, but they're always grumbling and complaining. They weren't thankful, they weren't humble, they were prideful and haughty, were they not? And eventually he humbled them. And notice in verse 3, so he humbled you, you and notice, now it doesn't say God caused this. He, it says he allowed you to, verse 3, he allowed you to what? He'll allow that. Would a great, gracious God do that? Yes, he would for your own good. Because he wants you in a place of humility. Because it's only from a place of humility that he can exalt you. And they wouldn't humble themselves, so he allowed them to hunger. But he didn't allow them to starve. Because it says, he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that, that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. That's where, do you remember Jesus saying that? He got that from right there. I think he quoted, Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy more than any other book. 
But the point is, God didn't allow them to starve, but he did allow them to hunger. He was humbling them because they wouldn't humble themselves. And then I want to teach you something. Let let the word teach you something. Look at verse 11. Something you need. Verse 11 starts out with beware. Realize, say beware. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments and his statutes, which which I command you today. Lest, now this is something we all got to be watchful of. Verse 12, you ought to highlight like this in your Bible. Because we're all susceptible to this. Verse 12, you ready? Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, And you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions. and It was a thirsty land where there, there was no water. Who brought water to you out of the flinty rock. Who fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know. That he might humble you and test you. To do you what? Good in the end. See, that's what God, when he does have to humble you, it's for your own good. Then you say in your heart, now now here's the problem here. See, verse 12 said, we got to be watchful when we have eaten and we're full and everything's going good and everything's going wonderful and we're living in a beautiful house and the silver's multiplying and the gold is multiplying and the stock market's running way up high and everything's wonderful. That's when you got to be real careful Verse 17, then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my own hand has gained me this wealth. Now, is that a statement of humility or a statement of pride? Got to be watchful. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to you by your fa- to swear to your fathers as it is this day. When we really have to be the most watchful of pride is when everything is going good. And we're living in the nice house and the, there's a lot of money in the bank and the cupboards are all full and we've got many goods and many things for many years. We never want to get to a po- point. It's real easy to forget God in that hour. And it's real easy to say, well, it was my power and my hand and my doing and our hard work. And I'm not putting down anybody's hard work. My wife and I have a situation. We live in a very nice home. Everything is, 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 is wonderful. I didn't do it on your backs, off of your tithe money. Actually, our tithe money went in and helped pay this church off. What God did for my wife and I back three or four generations, see, my my great-grandparents, my grandparents, my parents, how many generations is that? Three generations ago, God started making provision for my wife and I so that we could be blessed in this hour. Isn't that wonderful? I say that not to draw attention to myself. I say that to draw attention to God. And I've caught myself a time or two saying, well, it was, you know, look at all the hard work Diane did. Look at all the hard work I did. Look at all the planning. Look at all this, all that, all the other. And I, shut it up. It's God that made the provision. Say amen. I've had to deal with this right here. The Holy Ghost warned me about this when I was about 21 years old. Why did I slap myself? You know, sometimes we need to slap ourselves. Better than me slapping you, isn't it? (laughs) Sometimes we need to do that to ourselves. And if you think I'm being braggadocious, no, no. God did it. And he set something up for us three generations ago. 
And we're walking, we just talked about it last night, we're walking in the blessing of it now. Now, did we do some hard work? Yeah, we did. Did, did we have to do some things? Yes, we did. But if you look at it, I won't go through the whole story. So supernatural, wasn't it, what the Lord did? Did you hear me? This church here has been blessed, 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 blessed. God had this land set up back way in the past for us to come and do what we've done here. See, we need to always give the glory and honor to the Lord. Did you hear me? Because when everything's good and you've eaten and you're full and there's a lot of money in the bank and everything's going well, it's real easy in that hour to forget God and say, it's my power and my doing. No, what do we do? We have to slap ourselves in the mouth, shut that up and look to heaven and give glory to who? To God. You okay? Don't ever say, my power and the might of my hand has done it. No, no, no. Give the glory to God. You okay or can I go on a little longer? You getting anything out of this? You don't have anything to do but go eat anyway. So, <laughs> Go to Daniel, the fourth chapter, real quick. I just got, uh, I, I don't have too much more to go here, but I want to get this in. Go to Daniel 4. Ever hear of King Nebuchadnezzar? Ungodly man. But God did something to him when he went and saw Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and then he saw the fourth man in the furnace. Yes or no? But I want to talk about something other than the fiery furnace here. Look at Daniel 4.28. What happened is the king here had a dream and nobody could interpret it. So Daniel came and gave him the interpretation. And all this, now look, look at verse 28. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of the 12 months because he had a dream. I won't go through the dream. You, you can read it and then Daniel interpreted it. But just look at what happened for the sake of time. At the end of the 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace in Babylon. That's verse 29, Daniel 4, 29. The king spoke saying, is not this great Babylon? That's, that's what he was king over. That I have built for a royal dwelling for my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty. Are those dangerous words? Was that pride or humility? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. And here's what it said. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. Why did I snap my finger? Because things can change just that quick. You need to understand that things can happen. When people have, have bad accidents and things, what, what's one thing that they'll tell you again and again? It happened just so quick. So he say, while the word is still in his mouth, coming out of his mouth, he hears this from heaven. He says, the, the voice from heaven says, the kingdom's departed from you, verse 32, and they shall drive you from men and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. How many of you know that can't be good? They shall, they shall make you eat grass like oxen and seven times or se seven years, I think, shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. Wow. Now, was Nebuchadnezzar humble or prideful? Which one? And you see something changed in a moment, didn't it? And that verse 33, that very hour, the word was fulfilled concerning him, Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown out like eagles, feathers. Think about that. That's, he had hair all the way down probably to his feet. His nails were like bird's claws. You see what pride does? It'll bring you low. It'll put you out eating grass with the, with, with, with the ox. Is that right? What's happening here? God's humbling this man. It's a better deal to humble yourself. Verse 34, at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. And this was like seven years later. My understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. 
That's a good thing, isn't it? For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are, are uh, reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of the heavens and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? By the way, people that are questioning God all the time are full of pride. Now, I don't mean that you ask God a question, but Lord, why did you let this happen? Why did, the, why did, you, do, why did you do that? Why didn't you do this? Why did you do that? Why did, have you, you know what I'm talking about? That's prideful. Hello? Hello, are you out there? Lord, why did you let this happen to me? Lord, now, it's not, nothing wrong with asking God a legitimate question. That's not, nothing wrong with that. But when you're always, why did you let this happen? Why did you let, why did you, that is nothing more than P-R-I-D-E. I've had to deal with myself on that and humble myself and not talk like that. Has anybody ever done that besides me? Judge yourself, humble yourself. At verse 36, at the same time, my reason returned to me and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles uh, resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Did he get it all back? Wouldn't it have been nice if he wouldn't have had to go through all of that? Verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven and all of whose works are truth, his ways justice, and those who walk in, watch this, and those who walk in pride, he is able to put down or humble. So if we won't humble ourselves, eventually God will have to do it. Did you get anything out of that right there? Look at Second Chronicles 26. Just, just, just two more of these and then I'm done. It's good to sit and read the word of the Lord. This is, now, this is the one that, that the Holy Ghost warned me about when I was about 21, 22 years old, 20, right in there, 2021. It was 1982. I was born in 1963. So how old was I? I was 19. So this was in 1982 when the Holy Ghost warned me about this, and, 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 and I was born in 63. So how, how long is that, 19? I was 19 years old, and, 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 and God had a, had a prophet come to me and, and warn me of this. I won't go through the whole story. The real New Testament prophet. Second Chronicles 26, you'll see the story of King Uzziah. And he was a wonderful king. He was humble. He started out humble. He sought the Lord. He, he, he sought God. You know, it takes humility to seek the Lord. Did you know that? And, and he was humble and he sought God. And the Bible says God's hand came on him and God exalted him and lifted him up and blessed him and, and, and helped him marvelously. And the Bible says as long as he sought the Lord, you know, people that are humble seek the Lord. And, and, and his hand, God's hand was on him and raised him up. In verse 15, we'll pick up in verse 15, midway through the verse, King Uzziah. So his fame spread far and wide, for he was marvelously helped till he became strong. You know, another example of pride is when people sit in a service and they say, you know, I wish so-and-so was here today. They really, they really needed to hear that. God would have straightened them out with that message. How many of you know when you're thinking that about somebody else, God had a message for you that day and you missed the whole thing. You know why? Because you're full of pride. Yes or no? You know it's the truth. Now, it wasn't in my notes, but I think somebody might have need to hear that. Maybe nobody in here. Maybe somebody on the Internet. You know our messages go all the way to India. Did you know that? Something, isn't it? I always say, if the shoe fits, what do you got to do? <clears throat> so verse 15, his fame spread far and wide. He was marvelously helped till he became strong. But when he was strong, what happened in verse 16? His what? His what? His heart was lifted up. What is that? That's pride, isn't it? To his destruction for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Now here's something else. 
he wasn't content to be what he was. He was a king, but he didn't want to be a king. He wanted to be a priest. Let's talk about Elvis for a minute. Elvis was a king of rock and roll. But Elvis wanted to be a movie star. And you know there's movie stars that want to be the king of rock and roll. Yes or no? Something in human nature we all have to understand. We always want to be something that we're not. We have to find out what we are, know what we're not, be content with what we are and be content with what we're not. Is that right? Are you okay? So this guy is the king. He wants to be the priest. And so he goes in where he shouldn't have went. Verse 17, Azira, the priest, went in after him, and with him were 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It's not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary. You've trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah humbled himself. Is that what it says? He became furious. Oh, how dare those... He got angry with the priest. How dare they? How dare they? Watch this. He had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priest, you've got to be watchful about getting angry when the preacher tells you the truth. Huh? These guys were right here trying to help the man. And they got, he got mad at them for... He got angry with the priest. Have you ever been angry with the pastor? For telling you the truth? Wow. And while he was angry with the priests, what broke out on his forehead? Before the priests in the house of the Lord beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and there on his forehead he was leprous. So they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. What was God doing? Humbling him. And you know, I learned something about King Uzziah. He never repented as far as I'm concerned. You know how I know that? Because the Bible says in verse 21, he was a leper until the day of his death. And what do we know about the Lord? If somebody will repent, he'll restore him. So what can we logically conclude? This guy probably didn't repent. And he dwelt in an isolated house. He was, he was a leper cut off from the house of the Lord. He started out humble. He got prideful. He wouldn't humble himself. God humbled him. Unlike Nebuchadnezzar who repented and God restored, this guy didn't. And died cut off from the house of God. That's dangerous, isn't it? Whew. Did you get anything out of that? Now, real quick, this this is the last one. Go to 2 Chronicles 33. Does anybody remember King Hezekiah? Godly king. You remember him? You remember when the prophet came and put a death sentence on him and said, you're going to set your house in order, you're going to die? How many remembers that? And how many of you know Hezekiah was a godly man? He He repented, didn't he? And God gave him how many more years? 15 more years. During that 15-year period, he had a son named Manasseh. And this guy, Manasseh, was the 14th king of Judah. He was the son of Hezekiah. This guy reigned, Manasseh, reigned 55 years longer than any other Israelite king. And he has the dubious distinction of being Judah's most wicked king. He committed idolatry. He, re, he, he undid everything good that his dad had done. Now, before I go any further, I feel prompted to the Spirit to say this. This little Manasseh, as he's growing up, he's going to become the most evil king. But growing up, he was, he, he was right side of his daddy, who was a godly man. Now, you need to remember that. The Bible says, train up a child in the way... Should go and when they're old, they'll what? Not depart from it. So this guy grows up evil, evil man. And uh, he erected altars to Baal. 
He erected an image to Astaroth in the temple. He worshipped, this guy worshipped the sun, the moon, and the stars. He recognized the Ammonite god Molech and sacrificed his son to him. He, this guy put his son and burned up his son. He approved of witchcraft. He killed all who protested his, his evil actions. He had the prophet Isaiah apparently put in a log and saw it in two. Is this guy a bad dude? Is he prideful or humble? Clearly. Bad guy. And eventually, here's what happened. Second Chronicles 33 verse 10. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they would not what? Therefore, the Lord brought upon them the captains of the army of the king of Assyria who took Manasseh with hooks. But you need to know what kind of hook that is. It's a nose hook. Hooked him in the nose and had a chain on the other end and took him. Now, I want you to watch this now. Now, now who's behind this? Uh, G-O-D is behind this. You know who that is. God's behind it. And God has these, he does this kind of stuff. He uses the Assyrians and he's got the, they got a nose hook in, sounds like I got a cold, does it? He got a nose hook in Manasseh and taking them off to Babylon. God's behind it. And, and what do we see in the nose hook? What do we see in the nose hook? We see, real loud, say the goodness of God. Say it like you mean it. How can there be goodness in a nose hook? Goodness of God. Who trained this kid? Hezekiah, godly man. Train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old he'll... Now, was it God's perfect will for there to be a nose hook? No, but this guy's evil and he's not turning and he's not humbling himself. And if you won't humble yourself, you get a what? You get a nose hook. And in that nose hook, what do we see? The goodness of the grace of God, the mercy of God. Did y'all smile at me? Smile at me. Because he was bound with bronze fetters and carried him off to Babylon. And when he was in affliction, I don't want to get to affliction, do you? When he was in affliction, he implored the Lord his God. And then what did he finally do? Humbled himself, how? Greatly before the God of his fathers. Isn't that wonderful? And prayed to him and he received his entreaty. God received his his prayer, heard his supplication, brought him back to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Isn't that wonderful? Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. I think that God probably did that for him because of his daddy. And I can't prove that, but I do know there's a principle that this guy was trained right. And he got old and he was going the wrong way. And he wouldn't humble himself. So if you won't humble yourself, what do you get? Now, this is pretty extreme. I'm not saying that God's going to put a nose hook in you. But wait a minute. She said, thank you. Oh, wait a minute. I was teaching school one time, junior high, and it was the first of the year. It was the second day of class, and I was a mean dude because, you know, you got to intimidate those little junior highs or they'll run you all over the place. And so the second day, Cordell comes in, and he's sitting there, and he raises his hand up, and I said, yes, Cordell. He said, Mr. Shield, can I ask you a question? And I said, yes, Cordell, what's the question? He says, uh, Carvon says that if we're not good in your class, you're going to whoop us. Is Carvon telling me the truth? And I said, Cordell, I'm not going to whoop you. 
And Cordell went, and I said, but I can do worse things. (laughs) So is God going to nose hook you? He might not, but he could do. He could do something else. Listen to this about God. He's a good God. He knows what it takes to get through to you. Was, was the nose hook the perfect will of God for this guy? God didn't want a nose hook anywhere near this guy. But he got off. He got, he was evil. He, he, and all of that, I read it to you. And the nose hook was the, was the blessing and the mercy and the grace of God. He might not use a nose hook with you. Let's hope he never has to do anything with you or me. Let's hope that we've got sense enough to listen to the holy word of God, to walk in humility, stay humble. If we get over in pride a little bit, you know, judge ourselves and get back over in humility, repent, let God deal with us, speak with us, let the pastor take the word, step on the toes, let all that happen. Don't get angry, don't get upset. Just be correctable, be teachable, be trainable. Can you say amen? And then you never have to think about the nose hook. But if you're going to be, I've met a lot of people. You know what? Now, is this this an expression of pride or humility? And if you won't listen now, he won't nose hook you overnight. It took a long time. But eventually, it might not be a nose hook, but he can do worse things. He can do other things. We'll put it that way. Let's don't ever get to that place. I'm doing some preventative teaching here today. I'm not saying anybody necessarily needs to hear this, but I feel impressed now that I've gotten into it. There are some people that need to hear this, some preventative stuff. And there are some people, I know by the Spirit, you you, you start to head off in this direction of where you shouldn't be headed as far as some haughtiness and whatnot. And and just just judge, I don't know who it is, but judge yourself. Amen? Amen? Judge yourself. It's on the inside. It's in your heart. Nobody would even even really know. But judge yourself. And and, and you're not anywhere near a nose hook, so to speak. But if you don't deal with it now, in time, down the road, God might have to do something like that. Maybe not that extreme, but you understand. Can you say amen? Amen. There was a church, the Corinthian church. How many remembers the Corinthian church? 1 Corinthians 5, you don't have to turn there, but they had a guy in there that he was, he was having sexual relations with his stepmother. And do you know what the Bible says? Paul says, you are puffed up. You are prideful. Why would, do you think that if we had somebody in this church that was sleeping with his stepmother that we'd be proud about that? You know, I thought about how could that church be proud about having that in there? And I've come to the conclusion, it may be that they were the only church that had that kind of thing going on. Because Paul said that that stuff didn't even go on among the heathen. And they had that going on in their church and the pastor wasn't doing anything about it. I guess, I guess maybe in our flesh we all would like to have something that nobody else has. And if you can't have something that nobody else has, it's good. Maybe if you have something bad that nobody else has. So they had a guy there that was sleeping with his stepmother, I, you know, and they were proud about it. How many of you know you shouldn't be proud about that? Yes or no? And so Paul writes it. He said, you should have mourned, but you, you didn't. You're prideful. And then what does he say to you? He says, put the guy out. Turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. What was God doing? Because they wouldn't humble themselves. God began to humble them. He said, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved. See, God's in the saving business. He's not wanting to hurt anybody. He wants to help people. And long story short, they put him out. The guy was turned over to Satan, destruction of the flesh. I don't know what it all really totally means, but I think he got out there and I think that when God takes his hand off, the devil can come in and hit. Did you hear me? And and I think God took his hand off. You don't want God doing that. I think God took his hand off. The devil come in and hit this guy with sickness or whatever. And guess what the guy did? He repented. And when he repented, Paul said, let him back in. Isn't that wonderful? God will humble a person He'll humble a group of people. He'll humble a church if they won't humble themselves. And God will also humble a nation. Did you hear me? I said he'll humble a nation. 
And I'm going to tell you by the Spirit of God, if this, I, I see why now God wanted me to say this. This nation, I'm, I'm proud to be an American. How about you? And I'm glad to be a citizen of the United States. But if, God, if this nation as a whole does not humble itself pretty soon, God's going to have to humble it. And he'll humble a person, he'll humble a group of people, he'll humble a church, and he'll humble a nation. How many of you know this nation still has not as a whole turned back to God? And I'm telling you, if this nation doesn't humble itself at some point, God's going to have to do it. Because he wants good for us, not bad. If my, ooh, this is good. If my people who are called by my name would or will humble themselves and, you know, I just saw something. I just got an answer. We've wondered for years. We've seen it in other churches, other pastors. Can't get their people come pray. Can't get their people come pray. Can't get their people come pray. You know what's at the root of that? I just saw. What's at the root of that? I just now saw that. Because it takes humility to pray. And people that won't pray at the root of it. Well, I've got the answer now. 30 years, I got the answer. What's at the root of it? Pride, isn't it? Anyway, that was just something. I got an answer here preaching. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their evil or wicked ways, then I would hear from heaven. Help me out. I would forgive their sins and I would heal their land. Is that right? Stand with me if you would. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bow your heads with me.